Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good evening, Jundo. How are you tonight? One second, one second. I'm, I'm tallying up all my karma for today. I helped, I helped that old lady across the street, which is good. That's about 10 points. But then I was thinking about like not returning the library book. That's down two. And if I cheat on my taxes, that's like 200. But I don't like Trump. That's, I, my heart was filled with anger. That's like, oh, it's so hard to keep on top of these things. Is there someplace we can see a register of this so we can know what our current um, karma savings account is worth? Yes, there's a, there's a place online. You you uh, go to kingyama.com. He's the, he's the guardian of hell, and uh, he he keeps all the books, and he will tell you how you're doing. And and uh, you go before him. He's kind of like uh, you know Saint. Uh, is it Peter or Paul? The one at the gates. I think it's Peter. Yeah. Yeah, and he tells you if you're going up or you're going down, and uh, it's all about your karma, man. In the old days, it was literally a matter of life and death. And life again. <laughs> so karma, that's the word that people who know nothing about Buddhism hear, and they know that it's Buddhist. And it's a pretty commonly used um, term these days. If someone does something dumb, someone might say about them, oh, bad karma, man. Oh, yeah, man, bad karma. Or it's good karma, groovy. Yeah. But karma means action. It means that our acts have consequences. And in Buddhism, it means our volitional act. And volitional is a fancy way to say intentional act. There's a sect of uh, Jains in India. They're very much like the Buddha, the Buddhists, but they believe that any action we do, for good or bad, is our karma. And for example, if you accidentally step on a bug, this is bad karma. This is a bad action that could cause you to have a bad rebirth. But the Buddha said, no, 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 it's not all our act. It's only the ones we intend. So you've, if you intend good, good chance you're going to have a good rebirth. And if you intend bad, mm -mm -mm, you may be going down, 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 down. So if you accidentally cheat on your taxes, that's okay. Yes, if you accidentally <laughs> cheat on your taxes, it is okay. With Buddha, the IRS, on the other hand, the uh, inland yeah. revenue, I don't know. but They don't yes, consider that. It is. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've tried to tell the inland revenue that according to Buddhism, I don't actually exist, but they haven't bought that yet. Good point. Good point. And I've also told them that, you know, there's no gains, no losses. And that money is a social construct? Yeah, but no, they, they don't buy that either. So what is it about karma? Why do people get so obsessed with it? Because 
I know you. You're going to explain that it's not like that, that it really doesn't get tallied up. It's not like Santa Claus making a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty and nice. Well, it was for thousands of years. The belief was that in this life or previous lives that you had, the karma would add up plus minus zero and would determine your future rebirth. And if you did something bad in this life, it will have an effect somewhere down the line. It might have an effect tomorrow. It might have an effect 20 years from now. It might have an effect 20 lives from now. But it's going to get you. It's going to get you eventually. Which leads to the question, those of us like me, modern Buddhists, who are not so concerned with future lives down the road, does karma still have any relevance? Well, I've always looked at karma as not something that's affecting my future past lives or anything, but just you do good things because they're good and you do bad things and that's bad. And if you do something good, well, it's just good for its own sake, not because you're getting points for it. You better be good for goodness sake. We're almost in the Christmas season, so it's time for that song. Yes, it's true. I'm with you. I think that if people act badly, it does have bad effects, or it tends to, either for you immediately or somewhere in your life. If If you're a greedy, angry, vicious person filled with uh, discrimination and cheating, right? What kind of heart are you having? What kind of peace is there inside? I'm betting for most people that there's not a lot of peace inside. There's not a lot of goodness. So it's going to get you either now or somewhere down the line because your heart's a mess. And about the people around you, the society, it has effects. Our actions has a, have effects, which is reason enough to do good. Okay, so I'm thinking of a situation, and I know that you watch TV series like I do, and you've probably see, seen The Sopranos. Everyone in The Sopranos was evil. There was not a redeemable character in the show. Is that the kind of situation where one person's karma radiates out to the others to influence them to be bad as well? Or is it just a sort of mass delusion of people living according to certain codes that just aren't right? But I'm going to disagree with you on The Sopranos a little. One of the things about them was they were also kind of people you like, you know? Tony Soprano, I kind of liked him, even though, of course, he, you know, he would knock over somebody, and then he was a good father to his daughter. But was so, he? Uh, well, we're not gonna, the point this is, is not an episode about the Sopranos. It could be. Because it, the Sopranos, be. there's a lot of Buddhism in the Sopranos, I'm telling you. But that's another topic for another day. It's true, and there's some people might not know. One of the actors, Michael Imperioli, is a dedicated Buddhist. He plays Christopher. There, there certainly were elements of Buddhism and karma that came in. Actually, I guess you could look at The Sopranos as a typical example of karma, that everything that goes around comes around, and Tony Soprano gets bitten at the end, even though it was that terrible ending. But Hey, in Sicily, how do you say <laughs> karma? Vendetta. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to get you in this life or the next one. Yeah. Now, let me tell you this, though. The thing about the Sopranos is 
nobody is completely bad or completely good. And I'm going to say that about some of the, you know, let, let's play the Hitler card. He liked animals. He was a vegetarian. What I'm trying to say is I don't think anyone is completely good and or completely bad. And if I look at myself or even the most gentle people in my life, I I can see that inside we must recognize that we have the potential to do bad. So part of karma and the part about being intentional is it's freedom. We are free to choose. We can make this life a heaven or we can make this life a hell. We can choose the gentle path, the loving path, or we can choose war and hate. It's up to us largely how to go. This is the wonderful thing about being a human being. Is there freedom of choice? I'll leave that to the philosophers, but I say we are free right now to choose which way we go. So many years ago, I read a lot of Carl Jung, and he talks about the shadow, the dark part that's inside of us that we have to come to terms with, that we have to accept and embrace in some ways and understand that, as you say, there is that possibility of evil within us. And I guess if we don't recognize evil, we can't really recognize good, can we? Well, the question is, what is evil? Oh, no, I that's, have a that's simple too long. Definition. We'll have to do another episode about good and evil, I think. That's a very well, big I, question. It's important for karma. What is evil? To okay. do harm, to do something that causes harm intentionally is evil, is bad karma. But, you know, this makes a point about Zen. We got into a discussion at Tree Leaf this week, and somebody said, what is intention? What is volition? The Zen master did not try to analyze this to death. They did not try to be too specific about it. In some schools of Buddhism in centuries past, people would spend their entire career analyzing what exactly is volition, what is bad. Because it was a matter of life and death and life again. You had to understand exactly. For example, if I just dream of sex, is that bad? If I dream of sex, but I don't want to dream of sex, is that bad? If I dream of uh, robbing a bank, but I didn't actually rob the bank. How does that rate compared to robbing a bank? People would spend pages and pages to analyze this because it was so important. The Zen people didn't. We are, how to say, you know it when you see it, folks. For example, if mm. someone is saying, sailing a boat, how do you know good sailing? And the philosopher would say, well, if you turn the wheel 45.6 degrees, that is the proper way not to turn it too much or too little. The Zen fellow would say, no, you know it's good sailing because the boat is afloat and you haven't hit the rock. That's all. So we're not big analyzers. So is karma not that big a deal in Zen then? Because again, karma is this idea that all Buddhists have to worry about karma. And it's true that in, I've read, you know, lots of books about Zen, and I don't recall ever seeing it mentioned more than a handful of times. Well, yes and no. At least one episode, every episode, I have to give an answer, yes and no. Dogen, the big uh, Kaluga in Soto Zen and uh, all the other traditional Buddhists I know 
believed in uh, traditional ideas of karma, that if you did bad, there was a chance in the next life you would have a bad rebirth. So they did believe the traditional idea. But the thing that makes the Zen folks different is they also believe that you could somehow escape this in this life. You didn't have to wait 500 lives down the road to be free. You could be free now. So it was not as important in the Zen world because we could leap through this. We believe that the hells and heavens were created by the mind. And if the mind was free, we can be free. The truth will set you free, as they say. It will, my brother. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's true that in, in Theravada Buddhism, you, you see all these discussions of how many um, endless kalpas it'll take to be reborn as whatever. Um, you know, they, they're so big about counting and listing things. Did they not come up with a list of karma points for every sort of action you can do? Well, yes, and it's incredibly detailed. And, and people talk about visions of hell that you might see by a fire and brimstone preacher down in Mississippi. The Buddhists had it just as much. We had the ice hell, we had the hot hells, we had the even hotter hell, or you could come back uh, if you were not quite uh, bad enough for hell, you could come back as a hungry ghost, or you could come back as a cocker spaniel, or a snake. That's pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, or a lawyer. You could come back oh. as something <laughs> really bad. And uh, so, yes, but as I said, for many of us modern folks, we leave that be, but we still believe you can do good. It's a lot like the humanists. You know, people said the humanists or atheists, some atheists, don't believe in a higher power. Does that mean they're amoral? No, there's plenty of reasons in this life to still be moral. So whether you believe in a future life or not, the pivot point, the time of decision, the place of action is here and now. So try to be good now and if there is a future life good it'll have good effects and if there is no future life you're still good now and you make a good world now and a good life now so be good now yeah that makes a lot more sense because if people are bad throughout much of their life and then they try to atone at the end just to try and balance things out that doesn't mean they're very good that means they're just a bit shifty i guess lawyers do that right uh, lawyer, yes, there, there's a place, a special place in hell for the lawyer. I, I think that is, that is true. Now, the question is, what kinds of actions are good, and what kinds of actions are bad? And Buddhism defines the bad as excessive desire, also known as greed, anger, hate, violence, jealousy. Uh, and anything that's similar to that, uh, discrimination, uh, certainly uh, creating a wars just to, to, to snatch property, anything like that is generally bad. But that's, that's just common sense, too. And good things, charity, being gentle, being loving, bringing people together, it's good. You don't have to be a philosopher to, to know the good when you see it. Good is good. 
So you talked about rebirth, reincarnation, and you're just not on that team that thinks it's that important. And you've mentioned many times that Dogen believed in it, but he didn't really, no, no more than he mentioned karma a lot. He didn't mention reincarnation, rebirth a lot. Is it, did the Zen people just sort of drop these ideas as being essential? Did they just figure, we can't answer that question, so why even talk about it? Well, I, you know, I, I'm going to disagree with you about Dogen, especially in his later years, as uh, maybe he he was uh, not feeling so well. He realized his final days were coming, and he could be quite fire and brimstone. I think it depended who he was speaking to. If he was speaking to lay yeah. people, he would give a message, be good, or pay the price. But at the same time, he would also preach that there was a way to to leap past this. So there's a famous koan called the Fox Koan. And Dogen told the story of this. And it basically goes like this. If you believe that, uh, like Zen people do, that we can be in a place beyond good and bad, beyond birth and death, we can escape all our behavior, you're going to pay a price. It's the same attitude that in World War II told some Japanese that you can't kill. There's no killing. There's no ramifications for killing. So just go out and march, invade, uh, and kill. No problem. It's not true. Even though in Buddhism we have a, a vision beyond, we say beyond good and bad, place of peace, where there is no death. We see this in Buddhism, a place beyond death. You cannot kill in a certain sense. In this realm we call emptiness. At the same time, down here on Earth, you can kill, you can do a lot of destruction. So it's both true. Even though we escape from karma, there is still karma. Even though there is no killing, don't be someone who kills. And that leads me to the subject of charity. Ask me about charity. Tell me about charity. Is, is this dana in Japanese? Exactly. Uh, one of our members at Tree Leaf asked me to say something about dana and charity and what does it involve. This has changed too in the history of Buddhism. In the old days, I think there was a feeling in some traditional societies that poor people were just poor because of their karma. That people who were sick were sick because of their karma. If you were born with a birth defect, for example, it was because of something in a previous life. That's how come a child would be born and uh, with a, a terrible disease, because maybe not this life, but maybe five lives previously. So there was not such an urgency to do anything. As a matter of fact, if you helped somebody, you were interfering with their karma. I've been told that, oh, no, don't help a homeless person. You're actually interfering with them paying the price for something that happened in a previous life, which I find just silly. So be generous by giving. Now, there was also a time in the past where giving basically meant give to monks. You're, because you know, the maybe, only way that they got their food was through begging. Yeah, maybe you're not surprised, but a lot of the Buddhist uh, writings by monks say 
give to monks, which is, if you ask me, kind of a conflict of interest. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can understand, but uh, these days, many of us say that don't give to monks so much. Give to monks a little, because even monks need to eat. But let's give to the poor. Let's give to the homeless. Let's give to the sick. And if it's interfering with their karma, let's interfere away. Because that's good for everyone. So there's a time to give to monks, because monks need to eat. But give to people who really do need to eat out in the world, too. I'm sure we've both known people who make giving something to make themselves better, that they give to other people so they can feel better. And that's always seemed to me to be the wrong way to give. It's You're not giving so you get karma points. And, and there's lots of people who act like that, aren't there? Yes. Well, uh, you know, a lot of corporations, for example, give and put their name on it so you know they're giving. And a lot of yeah. uh, people who run charities do this. So actually, in the old days, there were this was part of the karma points. If you gave anonymously, you get more karma points than if you gave to let it be known. I think it's just better for people to give without it being known. Uh, it's a, if it accidentally becomes known, I guess that's fine. But don't give to be known as a giver. Be give to give. And here's the thing about Donna that's important to remember in Buddhism too. We said there's no winning or losing life or death, right? There's no giver or receiver that's separate. Because when you give something, you are also getting something. It's more than that. There's no two people. The giving and the receiving and the receiver are all one. But yet in this world, there are hungry children. There are people who can use a buck. They need help. In the, how to say, the ultimate, there are no hungry children. In the ultimate, everyone is at home, our true home, so no one's homeless. But down here on earth, it's not true. So here, let's take care of the homeless. We see life two ways at once. Are there a lot of homeless people in Japan? There are, especially with the economy. The funny thing about uh, most of the homeless people in Japan is they have um, a great deal of pride, like many Japanese people do. I've seen people living in boxes under the bridge, spotless, taking their shoes off before they get in the box, refusing money. Uh, dressing each day, some of them, very unless they're, you know, they're people here with mental illness too. But no, the homelessness is a problem all over the world. And uh, So I was just wondering if the Japanese attitude would maybe treat homeless people a little bit more justly than in some Western countries. And as you said earlier, um, some people believe that if you're poor, you deserve to be poor. And if you have a problem, you deserve to have that problem. And that's a pretty common libertarian political attitude in many countries right now. Alas, uh, I'm going to say when it comes to dealing with the poor, and the sick, the Christians had the Buddhists beat traditionally very much because the Buddhists did fall back on the fact that he's poor, he's starving because it's his karma. And the Christians came with an agenda, I think, to save mm. the person by saving them, feeding them, and then you get a, a good, you save a soul. 
you know, you get a convert. But the Buddhists were not as active until about the 19th century. In competition with the Christians, this idea of charity work and engaged work really became strong. And here in the 21st century, the idea is very strong that part of our practice can be doing good works and charity. Yes, in the U.S., particularly engaged Buddhism is pretty much the norm, isn't it, in most large Zen centers at least? Absolutely. We feed the poor. Plus, all the karma points I get for doing it. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that because when I said that, that I want the karma points, I just lost karma points. Oh, you can't win. You you lost even more that you would have gotten for the good deed. That's the thing. It's when you think bad and don't even do anything, it costs more. That makes me think, though, do I get karma points for feeding my cats? I think so. At least you get the okay. uh, cat points. I don't know. <laughs> you won't come back as a cat. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, you can donate your karma. I think we've spoken about this before. Can, can we donate karma points to other people? Traditionally, karma was like a big bank. And the the catch was, I could, for example, if I did something good, I could donate my karma to you or to someone needy, right? But then there's a cat. Because I donated, which is a good act, I also get karma points. So it's win-win. I donate my <laughs> karma to you, and I get more karma. This sounds like something that got invented in New York. <laughs> it's like a three-card Monty of the universe. Yes, I know. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Roshi, where do we go from here? No, I got, I'm, I'm 30 points behind today. I got to think up a good thing to do. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. And if you want Jundo to answer your questions, send us an email at podcast at zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.